Happy Easter, everyone. Glad you're here today. Isn't this a uh, cool-looking bridge that I'm standing on? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it spent uh, all week kind of building it for you, and then I hauled it over in my uh, truck, uh, put it together last night, and that'll be the last lie that I uh, tell this Easter. Uh, But it is cool, and we're here. This bridge actually is uh, 24 feet long, and... Uh, the longest bridge in the world is 102 miles. Uh, we have a picture of it there. It's in China. And China also has the uh, highest bridge. It's uh, 1,854 feet. And uh, just turn to the person beside you. Any of you want to take a guess? Where is the oldest usable bridge located? So just real quick, tell the person beside you. The oldest usable bridge. Okay, here it is. This is the oldest usable bridge. It's in Greece, and it's over 3,000 years old. Now, I took my wife on a bike ride on this particular bridge. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge. On that particular day, though, I didn't realize that there would be 40-mile-an-hour gusts And she said some things that a pastor's wife really shouldn't say. And you should pray for her. But uh, we got about halfway there, and she's like going off, saying some words. And she said, I'm ready to divorce you. But we made it to the other side, so I got a second chance, okay? And uh, so there's that bridge. Well, you know, people have been building bridges For thousands of years. And the reason that they build bridges is because there is a certain chasm that needs to be crossed. Now, the word chasm means a gap or a gulf or a gulch. It might be a river chasm, it could be a valley or a swamp or whatever. And most of the time, In order to cross a chasm, it it takes a lot of money. It's a very, very expensive process to have a bridge built. Build bridging is expensive. Now, at this point, some of you might be asking, okay, thanks, Chris, for the nice little bridge. See it up there. But what does this have to do with Easter? Well, it may have much more than what you might think. You see, for thousands and thousands of years, human beings have been aware of a troublesome chasm that is between themselves and God. They know that God is righteous and pure and holy and good. And most people, if they were really honest, they would have to say that when you think of those words... Righteous, pure, holy, good. That doesn't necessarily describe my life very often. Instead, words like being self-centered or prideful or angry or envious or greedy or prejudiced, those are words that describe the life of Chris Bunch much more, and maybe they do you as well. And folks, this is why there is a chasm 
that separates us from God. So the big question that I want to ask you this morning is this. How can that chasm between us and God be bridged? And we have a little diagram there for your uh, program if you want to fill it in. But, but how can the chasm between us and God be bridged? Now, for thousands of years, there have been entire religious systems that have tried to answer this single question. And interesting, uh, interestingly enough, all of those start on the us side. They begin by thinking that we could do it from the us side to get to God. What can human beings do from their side of the chasm to get in good with God? So out comes bridge building plans. And people come up with different plans on how to get to the other side. Some of these might be do these certain deeds, say these certain words, light some candles, have some rituals, don't do, use this kind of language, don't practice this particular behavior, fork over just enough money and you'll be good. And if you spend your whole life just kind of expanding your effort and expending all that you have, you might, you just might get lucky enough That you could make your way across the chasm to God before you die. But there are no guarantees. And if you should have a weak moment and you fall or you slip or you say something or you do something, well, too bad for you. Your life was a waste of time. Game over. Some of you, are that's the only thing you'll remember today. Wasn't that cool? Kind of brought back to me, you know. But it's game over, folks. You lose forever. But here's where biblical Christianity differentiates from every other world religion. It starts the build bridging process from God's side. And God, out of this incredible love, For you and me, it teaches that even in our messy condition, that God, motivated by love, beyond human comprehension, God took it upon himself to construct a bridge that would be built to us, toward us. And the bridge is none other than Jesus Christ himself. The Son of God, who spread out his arms wide and went and died upon a cross and allowed nails to be driven into his hands and his feet so that all of our flub ups and all of our mess ups and all of our screw ups and all of our sins, all of it could be placed upon Christ's shoulders. And after dying in a grave, If he just stayed dead, and we know 500 witnesses saw him resurrected, but if he just stayed dead, who cares? You guys should leave now. But if it's true 
that he rose again three days later, and like I said, there were 500 witnesses, then Jesus becomes the ultimate bridge builder for every single human being to get reconciled to God. A few years ago, there was a guy who was extremely bright. He had owned some businesses. He had done some uh, amazing things. And he had done it all in his own power. But he could never quite believe that someone couldn't earn their way to God. He said, my whole life has been about earning. And I'm bright and I've been successful and I can do it on my own. The guy had earned everything before and he just couldn't understand how he couldn't earn his way to God. And then one day he was diagnosed with cancer. And it was terminal. And he invited me to come over to visit with him. And I met him and I met his wife and we were having lunch together. And he looked at me and he said, I want to get this thing done today. And I looked at him, I'm like, what thing? He said, this Jesus thing, you just tell me what I need to do. Whatever I need to do, I'll do it. And then that way I'll know I'm good with God. So I asked him to give me a piece of paper. And with that piece of paper, I wrote down the first word. And the word was do. D-O. And I said, all world religions, what they try to do is they try to convince you that you have to do certain things to get to God, to get on his good side. And those things you have to do, you have to fly straighter, you have to clean up your act, you have to say the right words, you have to be more spiritual than you are, and you need to give some money. It's what people do to impress God because they know that they disappointed Him. And it drives people crazy. And they spend their whole life trying to do certain things to come into a relationship with God. And they go through it. And they jump through the hoops. And they go through tons and tons of spiritual acrobatics. And they do all of this. And I said, this is what religion is. It's spelled D-O. He's like, oh, okay, well, well, tell me then. What do I need to do? What are the things that... I was like, whoa, 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 I'm not done yet. I have another word for you. I said, biblical Christianity, though, is spelled done. D-O-N-E. It's what Christ has already done. He already took on all of your sins, all of your shortcomings, everything from your past, your present, and your future, all sins he placed upon himself. It's been done for you. You don't have to do anything. It's been done. And so I said, but you have to make a choice. You have to choose. Are you on the do program or are you on the done program? And I'll never forget He took a pencil and he said, I'm done, I'm cooked. And he circled. And he said, I want his plan for my life. I'm giving up on the do plan. I'm accepting the done. And let me tell you what was so cool about that story. 
Within about a year, he died. And it was a game changer for his life. It changed his life. Not only on this side of heaven, but for all eternity. Can I just ask you a straight up question this Easter 2017? What plan are you on? Are you on the do plan? And you think that if I just do a certain thing, if I do certain things, or if I don't do certain things, that that will get me to become reconciled with God? Or is your plan a done plan? Where you finally said, you know what? I just know I can't do it myself. I'm giving up my do plan because I know that Christ has already done this for me. And I accept His Lordship, his leadership into my life. Christ has done it for me. Let me tell you this, that if you've ever shifted, folks, from the do plan to the done plan, and I did when I was 24 years old, you never forget it. You never forget that moment. Something intensely personal happens inside of you, and you don't forget it. So what God did was he sent Jesus Christ to be the bridge builder for the chasm that we had between us and him. Now, for most of you, you're like, oh, that sounds great. But if I go down this plan, if I choose this plan, is that the only thing that he's done or is there something more? And there actually is. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, Corinthians was uh, a book in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Corinth is in present-day Greece. And uh, Corinth was kind of like Las Vegas, present-day Las Vegas. So whatever happens in Vegas, what? Stays in Vegas, right? So he writes to this church. And when he's talking about reconciliation and this chasm, this is what he says. Through Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. Why? Because he's already placed them on Christ's shoulder. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So using this same kind of bridge illustration, only God can graciously bridge this gap, this chasm between us and him, But then what he does is he empowers us to actually be build bridge or to be uh, bridge builders to other people. That in our world, he will give us the capacity and the desire to be bridge builders in our relationships. Now, there are a lot of chasms in our world, wouldn't you say? There's the chasm right now in Syria, and we don't know how to bridge that. There's ISIS that we've been battling and we don't know what to do with that. There's racism. There's Muncie Community Schools, right? There's like all of these particular chasms. But today, I want to talk about the ones that are right here in this room. The ones that are as close as maybe the person beside you or the person in your family. 
I want to talk about the chasm today between a husband and a wife. The chasm between you and your dad. The chasm between you and your mom. The chasm between you and a brother. You and a sister. Between you and your boss. Between you and your co-workers. You see, folks, when we talk about spanning the chasm, when it comes to our relational world, the first thing we do is we stand on one side of the chasm and we look over to the other side and we go, it's their fault. They're the ones who have wronged me. And you know what? For some of you, it's true. It is their fault. They wronged you. And sometimes we'll stand on this side of the chasm and we will say some words that we can't say in church this morning, but we will say words towards those people and we will cuss them out. From this side of the chasm. And we struggle because we think, I'm not going to be the first one to make the move. It's their issue. It's their fault. They should take the move. But what happens is, when you finally realize in your own life that Christ is the bridge builder that builds the bridge from you to God, all of a sudden, something happens in your brain and you start thinking what if i actually chose not to just stand here and let this chasm continue between me and my dad or my mom or sister or brother or whatever what if i actually initiated the walk first to try to reconcile what if i took the action what if i picked up the phone and called first what if i text what if I sat down and said, hey, let's get together and let's talk. The single supernatural idea of remembering the bridge of what Christ did for you to bridge you to God in the midst of that, that when you finally realize that he did that, when you did not deserve it, you're not holy, you're not pure, you're not all of the righteous things that God is, but he did it for you, folks, When you see that and you start doing that in your relationships, I mean, it is amazing the power that can happen in that kind of reconciliation. Several months ago, there was a young couple that was uh, sitting over in this section here. And they came for the first time. They had a couple of kids. And I got to meet them that day, and over the past several months, I've got to know them more and more, and eventually we went out to lunch one time, and I got to hear a story about the power of reconciliation in a marriage between a husband and a wife. The husband had a catastrophic event happen in his life seven years ago. His father was killed by a drunk driver. It wrecked his world. He wasn't sure that he could go on. And so he began the healing process, and it took months and months and months, but eventually he got a little bit of clarity, and the the grieving kind of finally came to a point where he could at least understand how he could move forward. And almost a year to the date... His mom, though, was not handling this at all, and she took her very life. 
And so in one year, there was two people, his mom and dad, that were taken away from And when that happened, he just gave up. And you could understand. And he was done. And he went down a path of meth and crack and liquor and heroin, whatever he could do to numb his feelings. And he started this path of destruction that went on and on and on. He became homeless. He was living life alone. Now, a piece of the story, when everything happened with his dad and his mom, he had met a woman who was his girlfriend, and they got to know each other. But when all this came, he bailed on her. He walked away from her. He was living a solitary life by himself. Living under bridges, he finally hit rock bottom. Now, he had been in the military before, and he thought to himself, I'm sure they would take me back if I just get cleaned up enough that I could re-enlist, and maybe that'll put my life back together. And just as he was getting ready to do that, he gets a message from this girlfriend from over 18 months ago, and she tells him that I've gotten reconciled with with God through what Christ did on the cross, And I've just decided that I want to try to reconcile our relationship as well, even though you kind of walked out on it. And she said, not only do I want to do that because of what God has done, but I also want you to know that uh, I have an 18-month-old son, and he's yours. And so she went ahead And took the little money she had and bought a bus pass and sent it to him in Arizona. And he got on a bus from Arizona to Indianapolis. And he walked off that bus and I asked him when we were having lunch, I said, what was that like? And he said, I walked off that bus and it was the most beautiful experience of my life of having my son, who I did not know, Placed into my hands. The reconciliation process continued. It doesn't, didn't take overnight. It kept going on and on. But eventually, the husband came to realize that the only way that he could get into a relationship with God as well was to accept the bridge builder Christ. And so he did. And they were married last year. And so I was talking to him about this whole process, and I said, well, well, tell me, like, what about this reconciliation? He said, I remember my past, and I remember the pain, but I'm grateful and excited for the future that God has for me with my wife and our family. He sent me a message last week and just said, hey, Chris, just wanted to let you know I'm two years sober I'm fully reconciled with my wonderful wife and family, but above all, I've been reconciled with God. Thought you would want to know that it's because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross that I have new life and I know 
He is always with me. Yeah, that's something to clap for. And folks, you look and you see this whole family was transformed. Because one woman decided not to give up on a relationship and she sent a bus pass because she knew there was one who had bridged the chasm between her and God in Jesus Christ himself. Folks, can you think of a more powerful dynamic of reconciliation than what Christ has done in that family? Let's look at this beautiful verse again in 2 Corinthians 5:19. It says this, through Christ, God is building bridges. God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. He puts all our sins on Christ. That's what he did. He put all the sins on him. And he has committed to us the message, the bridge-building message of reconciliation. What if you initiated the process to bridge whatever the chasm is between you and whoever the person is in your life that you can't stand? What might God do if you took the first step, if you made the first move? There might be an Easter miracle just awaiting you on the other side if you chose to do that. And what would God do with it? So quick review. God initiates the bridge of Christ. He, it comes from God's side to us. And then he challenges every single one of us to be bridge builders in our relational world. One more bridge metaphor this Easter. Because Jesus Christ didn't just stay dead, but three days later he rose again, he is a bridge from this life to the next reality. From here... To heaven. Now, every single Easter, I find it to be my pastoral duty to remind you guys of the death rate on planet Earth. Would anyone like to venture a guess what is the death rate here on planet Earth? Anyone want to take a guess? Just so you know, it's right about 100%. It's always kind of hovering there right at 100%. Um, it's very, you know, like people die, everybody dies and it just kind of hovers at that particular moment. And honestly, the statistics haven't changed for a long time. They've been doing this for like thousands of years and pretty much everybody dies. True story. After my dad retired, my mom couldn't put up with him anymore Because he worked all the time and now he was at their home all the time and she kicked him out and said, you got to go get a job. And so he got a part-time job at a funeral home. And I thought that was kind of weird myself. Like, you know, if I'm retired, I'm not going to go like, hey, I want to work at a funeral home. That's what I'd like to do. I mean, you're already closer to death anyways. You know, like, why? Why worry about that? You know? 
So um, I said, well, Dad, how do you... I just asked him one day. I was like, Dad, how do you like it? He's like, I love it. And I thought, you know, maybe he's just getting old. He, he meant like, not love. But no, he's like... I said, you meant like it? No, he's like, I love it. I was like, oh. I said, well, what do you love about it? And he said, well, I get to be there for people at one of the hardest times and so I can help them through stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, I get that. And he's like, I love the guys I work with. All of them are younger than me, and so that's kind of cool. I said, oh, okay. And then he said, I love to drive the hearse. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, oh, this, this is not good. Because I've seen him drive his own car before. It's not good. And <laughs> no lie, just a little while after that, he wrecked the hearse. <laughs> and they took the keys away from him. And he was like this poor whipped pup. I mean, he would greet people at the door at the funeral home. And they felt worse, you know, leaving because... Here's this guy, I don't even get to drive the hearse anymore, you know, and bad for their business plan. And so during this whole time, he got to know all these guys pretty well. And they did this sales pitch on him about getting all of your funeral prearranged. And he's like, well, I need a discount for this. And they gave him discounts and like he prearranged the whole thing. And he's like, well, my wife, she might go before me, so let's do hers too, you know? And so they like prearranged everything. Everything's done. Everything's good to go. And one day I'm talking to him and I said, well, how's it going, Dad? He's like, good. He's like, I want to take you somewhere. I was like, oh, okay. He said, I want you to go see the mausoleum where your mom and I are going to be buried. And then all of a sudden I remembered. He wrecked the hearse. And now he's going to drive me to go see the mausoleum. I don't think this is going to be good. Because when you're driving a hearse, you can go really slow. But when you're on I-69, they go really fast. And I prayed all the way from Muncie to Marion that, oh, God, please help us just get here. And so we get there, and he takes us right to this mausoleum. He opens up the doors. He's like, see that crypt right there? I'm like, yeah, Dad. Freaking out. You know, I'm like, I don't want to be here, but okay, Dad. That's where your mom and I are going to be. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, and I've heard that the crypt right beside it's for sale, too, and we could gift one for you and Jen. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, he like kind of started sizing me up a little bit. <laughs> like six foot, 180 pounds. I think this would work for you. And I haven't driven with my dad anywhere since then. <laughs> Folks, Jesus said to his fathers, followers, about a death and about the next reality. And this is what he said. He said, I got a gift for you. I have a gift for you. I bridged the gap between this life and the next life. And Jesus said words to this that are so powerful. It's maybe the most important scripture verse 
for us in the Bible, in John 3, 16, it says this, For God so loved the world, and you know, for all of my life, for the first 24 years, I knew God loved the world. I just wasn't sure that God loved me. And at the age of 24, I finally realized through this verse that regardless of my past, regardless of my present, that God loves me for a greater future. And he loves everyone. He loves everyone in this section. All of you. He loves all of you. He loves all of you. He loves all of you. All of you sitting on the back. He loves all of you. You, His love is for you. In fact, folks, you are a, a so loved person by our great God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to bridge the gap of the chasm that whoever believes in him would not perish. And here's the promise, but have eternal life, eternal life. Now, I can kid around about the mortality rate and cemeteries and that kind of stuff. But this is the truth about all of us here in this place too. Is that all of us have lost a loved one in our life. And it hurt. And there was great pain. And we all know what that feels like. To see someone pass out of this life. And you know the loss. And when you come face to face with that, the grief is so difficult when it's someone that we loved, someone that we treasured. And it takes months and sometimes years, but eventually there's a point where we're not over it, but we get some clarity and there are some questions that come to our minds in the midst of this, of our loved one. We say, how can they really be gone? 24 hours ago, we were sitting here and laughing and joking and having a good time. And now they're just gone. And then we have another question that we'll often ask is, where are they now? Are they in that box in the ground? Are they out there in the cosmos somewhere? Have they gone into another person's body in the far east? But the Bible actually speaks to this very straightforwardly. And it says, if you turn to the build bridger, you do not have to have any fear or speculation of what happens. The Bible says that because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that very same resurrection power is given to everyone who would turn to him. In reality, God has crafted a plan for every human being that this is not the end. Your time here on earth is like one grain of sand. Your time in heaven will be like all the other grains of sand in the world. And this is the cool thing. There'll be no more pain. No more wheelchairs. No more sickness. There'll be no more disabilities. There'll be no more mental anguish, no more division, no more hatred, no more violence, no more poverty. And check this out. It summarizes it all by saying this, no more tears. There'll be no more tears. Can you think about that? And maybe best of all, that there's no end date. 
You're not going to get kicked out of this. You're there forever and ever. The gift of eternal life is available to anyone and everyone and all because of the build bridging practice of Jesus himself. There was a guy by the name of Paul who he was so struck by what Christ did for him, by being a build bridger, that he wrote these words. He said this, Oh, death, where is your victory? It's like he's taunting death. It's like trash talk. Like, where's your victory, death? Oh, death, where is your victory? And then he continues, Oh, grave, where is your sting? He's like, you thought you won? You thought that was the end? That's just the beginning. It's not even close because Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder. Any of you ever experienced this before? We've got a picture of it here on the side. Now, if you live in Muncie or you're ever here in this community, you know what this is. This is the Tillotson Bridge. And it is a huge frustration for everyone in our community right now. And just in case you didn't know it was closed, they actually let you know with this. Whoa, had no idea. I went and took all these pictures and the guy actually came up to me. He's like, "Uh, you're going to have to move back, sir. I'm like, bridge closed, dude. I can't get over there. You know what he said? You still need to move back. (laughs) Folks, this bridge is closed. But the bridge that Christ built is never closed. It is wide open. And the Heavenly Father looks down upon everyone in this room and says this, Bridge open. Always open. For all people. There is a God who loves you so much that he decided the bridge would never be closed. He gave you an option. He went from his side to your side. And if you turn to him, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything because this is the reality, folks. It's already been done. You don't have to do anymore. It's been done for you. Jesus built the bridge. He died on a cross so that all of your sins could be forgiven. All of your mess ups, all of your flub ups, all of your screw ups, all the things that are the skeletons in the closet that on your darkest day you think God could never forgive me for that. And God's like, bring it on, bring it on. Bridge open, bridge open. He will forgive you. And he builds a bridge, not only here, but into the next reality as well. If you would, I'd like you to pull out a card that was in your program. It looks like this. And what I'd like you to do is, I'd like you to... Look at that just for a second. And if you need a card, just raise your hand. Uh, Someone would love 
uh, to bring one to you. We're going to turn the lights off so if you forgot, you don't feel embarrassed to raise your hand, okay? They'll find you. So um, we'll do that. And let me ask you this Easter. Are you ready to trust Jesus Christ to bridge the gap and be reconciled to a holy God? Are you ready to have all of your sins forgiven? And are you ready to receive the promise, the promise of heaven in a new reality? For many of you this morning, God has moved in your life. And he's saying to you, he's like, walk the bridge. Walk the bridge. And for some of you, this would be the first time that you ever made that decision. For some of you, you're like, I'm changing plans. I've been trying to do everything on my own, and it's not working, and I'm going to the done plan. What Christ has done for me. I want to be reconciled with God. And so maybe today is a day for you to do that. And then maybe for some of you, honestly, you're here. You knew the Jesus thing at one time, but you just drifted. You just kind of drifted away. You drifted away from the bridge, underneath the bridge. The water drifted you away. And you want God saying, you can just turn around and drift right back. And the bridge is still here. It hasn't left. So I'd like to just give you a moment uh, right now to uh, write your name if you want on that card. And this is the way that we're going to kind of close things. I'm going to lead us here in a prayer in just a second. And after that prayer, the band's going to lead us in a, a song that is all about Easter. And you're going to love this song. And then after that song, if you need to make a walk across the bridge, you can. And there'll be people up here to help you. You can come up this side and you can just walk across this. Now, this is the cool thing. If you have that card, you write your name on it. No one's going to be like, oh, now let me pray for you. No one's going to freak you out. If you want prayer, we're here for that. But no one's going to freak you out for that. But if you do this for the first time, we have a gift for you. We have a Bible. We have a reading plan that you can have and receive that. But right now, I want to lead us through a prayer. And for some of you, this will be the first time that you've ever prayed this prayer. And it's a prayer that is really your words. You're just going to repeat it after me. But the cool thing is, here at the jar, we never pray alone, do we? We always pray together. And so I'm just going to invite you to uh, repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Just repeat these words after me. God, thank you for sending Jesus over 2,000 years ago to save my life, to bridge the chasm between you and me. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you. 
My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand for everybody who said that for the first time.